Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. In this episode of Box Talk, you're meeting Case Belcher, the owner of Four Barrel CrossFit with one location in New Albany, Indiana, and another in Louisville, Kentucky. I did this interview with Case for the September-October 2017 issue of Box Pro when Four Barrel appeared on the cover. My cover interviews are typically so in-depth that I can hardly fit all the information into one 2,000-word story, thus the podcast. I hope you enjoy a little behind-the-scenes sneak peek at the work that goes into cover stories, as well as Case's vulnerability and business advice. I just kind of want to start with, even before that, you know, how you got even into personal training, because you see you were a personal trainer, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you were an endurance runner. I just kind of want to start with, like, the beginnings of your fitness journey. So, you know, how did you get into personal training and, and even find fitness as a career? Yeah, so um, we grew sport, or we grew, we grew up playing sports, and uh, <laughs> one of the, you know, pieces of that was always the conditioning end of it and the strength end of it, and, uh, you know, through playing sports, I think uh, the, the strength and conditioning piece was uh, something that always interested me almost as much as the actual sport did. You know, I like spending time in the gym uh, almost as much as I did on the practice field or, uh, or playing the sport. So um, I think as soon as I could drive, we, uh, we grew up in a, in a country town and uh, there wasn't a gym in town, but I think as soon as I could drive, I got a membership to um, the local YMCA. And some of my friends and I would go up there and, you know, train even above and beyond what we were doing in uh, sports practices, uh, you know, and, and part of it was probably just so, you know, we could get away as kids and, and hang out and, and kind of do something on our own. Uh, but it, you know, it, it became this, this fun yet productive uh, outlet for us. Mm-hmm. So then uh, when I got out of high school, um, I originally went to college for architecture. Uh, oh. so I was always into uh, art and um, I liked building things and, I was a little bit better at math, so I was kind of torn initially between this uh, between a degree in either engineering or architecture. Hmm. So I started off my first year of college in architecture, um, decided that wasn't what I wanted to do, hmm. uh, came back to a local extension of Indiana University, which was just about 20 miles away from my hometown, um, and started working as a personal trainer uh, and switched my... Um, major to business at that point. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the way I got my foot in the door as a personal trainer was, was really just as I came back home and started going to, to school for business, I found another gym uh, that was close by my college to train at. And while I was training there, um, saw that they had personal training services and, you know, struck up a conversation with the guy that was uh, in charge of that and just got the basic details of, you know, what does it take to, uh, to start, you know, working as a personal trainer. Um, so went down the path of, of getting just a, a basic, it was like a Nesta certification, I think, at the time. Uh, did that, and uh, it worked well with school because, you know, I could go and take a couple classes, and then if I had some downtime in the middle of the day, I could train people, or I could go and train people in the morning and take classes. So it was a, it was a nice situation throughout college um, because it, it kind of – I could adapt the schedule to uh, my class schedule and I could do something that I enjoyed and, and, and I could make a little bit of money at it. Yeah. That's like the best kind of job to have in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't, it really didn't pay crap, but 
I, I guess the experience was the uh, was the biggest uh, payoff. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think very few jobs pay well when you're, you're yeah. in college. So exactly. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so so then from there, what happened? You know, like you're working as a personal trainer, you're getting your business degree. I mean, how did you even come to? I mean, opening up a CrossFit gym. Like, what's that story? Yeah, so during that time, um, I wasn't really doing anything competitive, uh, okay. and I, I had always done something competitive in life leading up mm-hmm. to that point. So, you know, at the time, if you were into fitness uh, and you wanted to do something competitive, like the big outlet was, well, you know, go run 5Ks, uh, mm-hmm. go do a triathlon, something like that. So I got into 5Ks, got into triathlons, started running marathons uh, while I was training, going to school. Uh, and eventually ran into overuse injuries, mm-hmm. um, and started looking for a better way to train because whatever I was doing with running combined with a little bit of, you know, extra strength or, or circuit training here and there that I was doing, uh, at the gym that I was training at obviously wasn't, uh, wasn't quite cutting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see around probably 2009, uh, I think I had read, there was like a short, and it's funny, like the, the things that bring you to CrossFit. I think I read like a, like a, a magazine, like Muscle and Fitness or something, did like a very short one or two paragraph snippet on this, uh, you know, this new thing called CrossFit. So I think I went to main site, uh, and started looking at, you know, main site was and thinking like, oh, this would be fun. Uh, so I can remember like the gym that I was at trying to do main site was at this gym and like they had one rower and I would, I would, and the rower was like completely in a separate area from where like any pull up bars or anything like that was. So I would like jump on the rower, like run down the stairs, find the nearest pull up bar, like do some pull ups, probably grab a, a dumbbell to do dumbbell swings. So I don't think they had any kettlebells. Um, so started trying to just like do main site workouts, yeah. uh, on my own. And then, uh, Eventually found uh, Derby City CrossFit, which was the first oh. uh, CrossFit gym in Louisville mm-hmm. around 2010 and started uh, started training there. Um, and that was kind of my first foray into uh, an actual CrossFit box. Oh, interesting. That's kind of cool. I didn't know you started at Derby City. Uh-huh. Huh. Okay, so, and then I know you mentioned the questionnaire, like, you kind of got this desire to want to bring CrossFit to New Albany. So how did you go about, you know, transitioning from an athlete in a gym to opening up a business? Yeah, so Derby City was in downtown Louisville, which wasn't too far of a drive because I still lived in southern Indiana. And then they moved out to St. Matthews, and uh, CrossFit DeVille moved into their old space Mm -hmm. uh, downtown. So when CrossFit DeVille moved into Derby City's previous space, I went in and, and, and talked to their owner and inquired about um, becoming a CrossFit coach. So um, I think 2011, went and got my level one, started coaching there uh, in the evenings after I would get off of my uh, other job. Uh, did that for probably not much over a year. Um, and when I was working at my other job, I would always drive past this building um, in the industrial park behind uh, where I worked. And it was mm-hmm. always in my head that, like, oh, man, that building would make a great CrossFit gym. 
I'd been working this corporate gig for about three years at that point, was wanting to get back into training and coaching people. And, and I think that's something too that it took me a long time to really figure out that like one of the things that I was probably passionate about was, was teaching and, and teaching, um, people. And I, I don't think I ever put that label on it though. I think I was always just like, well, I, I like fitness and, uh, I've got a business degree and I was trying to think of a good way to like marry the two. Um, but I think the really thing that was underlying the whole time was just that, that passion for teaching. Um, so yeah, after coaching down at the Ville for uh, a year or so and driving past the building every day <laughs> and wanting to do something else with, with life than what I was doing at the time, um, decided to, uh, you know, to, to head down that path of, um, uh, opening, uh, our own, uh, CrossFit gym. My goodness. Had you ever thought about being an entrepreneur? I know you went and got like your business degree, but was that something that ever crossed your mind? You know, I don't think it was, uh, which is funny because my, my dad was totally an entrepreneur. I don't, and I don't think I ever really thought of him as an entrepreneur. Like he never put that kind of label to what he did. Um, he started his own, um, like used car dealership in our hometown, uh, and built houses and built rental properties and, and did a ton of other stuff. And, and to me, I always just looked at that as like, well, that's, you know, that's just a way to, to get by and, 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 and make a buck. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it was, you know, he had, he always had that entrepreneurial spirit and I think he ingrained that in, uh, in my siblings and I. Yeah. You had no idea. And then the gene just comes out, right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> and, and it's just funny. Like you don't, you don't put that type of, uh, um, that type of label to it for some reason and then eventually like it's just as you get older you start to realize all these things you're like oh like that's where that came from and that's why I did that and <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that's a big reason of why I am where I am today and all that sort of stuff yeah self-reflection can be very interesting you're like okay this makes so much more sense now that I know where it comes from <laughs> yep absolutely yeah no for sure so so we went from coaching to opening up a gym. I'm just kind of curious how that process went. You know, what, what kind of planning did you do? I mean, you had never owned a business before. And, and this mm-hmm. is a story a lot of CrossFit affiliates have, you know. But, like, what kind of did that look like in order to, to get that up and running? How did how did you go about, you know, getting four barrel to where, you know, it is a real thing? Yeah. So um, during this time, I mean, it wasn't a, like, I'm, you know, I was driving past the building and then one day I just flipped the switch and decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to open this place. I, you know, I had probably been mulling over that decision for six months. Mm-hmm. And during that time, um, I had been writing, you know, pseudo business plans for, um, some sort of gym or training facility. I, and at the time I didn't even know if it was going to be specifically CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had learned a lot of things through CrossFit. Um, in terms of functional movement and te- and giving people a better way to train, uh, and I knew that you know, I, or I felt like that I could I could package that and put that into um, a business. Um, the other piece of it was, um, you know, from the from just the, the total back end business perspective, um, I just you know I looked at all of my uh, inputs and, and tried to think, okay. Um, you know, I had saved some money in my other job. Um, the area that we were in wasn't necessarily like a high, you know, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of first time CrossFit boxes, but you know, it wasn't like a high rent area. Um, 
also I had started to train some folks uh, out of my garage at the time, um, just as a, a little side gig. And, you know, some of it was paid, some of it was for free just to, you know, spread the, the good word about CrossFit, I think. Um, and, uh, so that helped drum up a little bit of interest. And then the other thing too, and, and this is going back to that whole self-reflection thing. Um, but my girlfriend at the time who is my wife now, we were just like super into the active scene in the area. So, we were still running races. We were still doing triathlons. This is about the time that, um, like, all the adventure races, like Tough Mudder and stuff, came onto the scene. Um, so we were just really into that as well. So, you know, we basically knew everyone who ran a gym or trained at a gym or who was into fitness in the area, um, which, you know, helped us have a little bit of a thumb on um, the potential market. Uh, as well, I think. Okay, that makes sense. As you say, how did you get into marketing? Because you were in Louisville coaching, so it's not like you know maybe you knew all the crossfitters over there, but then you like went back over to Melbourne. So I was curious how you were marketing for that. But that makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, it was like uh, when we first started, it was totally a process of introducing people to what CrossFit was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for our first. I'd say two years of business, everyone who walked to the door had no clue um, what CrossFit was. You know, we'd have people ride by on bikes and be like, and, and it, it helped really well too because we had a bay door that opened up like right to the road. Yeah. So like people would ride by and, and we would do stuff out in the parking lot intentionally. Um, and it would just, you know, it would, it would drum up a little bit of curiosity. So mm-hmm. even when we would like put stuff out um, via social media or, we would go around to, you know, just local businesses, coffee shops, restaurants who had bulletin boards, um, things like that. We would just try to put up flyers and things that would pique a little bit of interest in people and want, and, and make them, um, you know, head down that path of, of hopefully just, you know, figuring out what is this, this CrossFit thing that people are talking about. Yeah, no, and, and so I'm sure that's changed. I'm just kind of curious, like, did, did you prefer that where you had to teach people what CrossFit was, or you enjoy it now where people come in already knowing what it is? Uh, I mean, I think there's there's positives and, and negatives to it all. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and I think everybody, like, whenever you think back on things, like, you, you I think you you dust away a lot of the uh, the downfalls <laughs> of it, and, like, you make yeah. it somewhat nostalgic. Um, it's a lot better than it was, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, you always think, like, man, I wish I could go back to the old days of CrossFit when, like, people didn't know what it was, and it was just yeah. this this new um, fitness trend, and there was no uh, preconceived notions about, you know, what programming should be and what programming shouldn't be. Um, to whereas mm-hmm. now, you know, it's and that's something that, that we've been, and I, I think that, you know, if, if you're a wise gym, I think this is something that, a conversation that should be going on uh, among your staff, but it's, you know, how do you, how do you let people know what, you know, your definition of fitness is as a gym uh, in relation to CrossFit and how do you keep people, you know, if you are going to be a CrossFit gym that is your bread and butter, how do you keep people focused on that, um, 
the you know the the, the base methodology of what CrossFit truly is, and, and not what they see in the games, and not what they see uh, on Instagram. Um, and I just rambled on, and I totally forgot the question that you asked. No, no, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I rather you talk about what you want to talk about than answer my question sometimes. So that's yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And that's and that and this is totally. And I'll, I'm sure I'll do this like five more times in our conversation today. So it's, no, it's great, Case. You actually pause and let me ask questions. I've been in conversations where someone has talked for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> so oh my gosh, this is great. <laughs> um, Good deal. Um, but I do want to ask you know you say. And so I should ask, you know, how do you let people know what your definition of fitness is? What's mm-hmm. more of our own definition of fitness? Like, how do you go about defining that your gym and then letting um, your guys' members know what that is? I mean, I think our, you know, I think first and foremost, if you're going to wrap it up in one word, like our definition of fitness is is balanced. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do have like a, we have a, we have a, a, a sheet that we teach to all of our coaches that has, what's called our grand vision. And on it, it has our mission it has our definition of fitness, it has our goal, and it has our core values. So on that sheet, our, like, strict definition of fitness is, and, I mean, I can send this to you later if you want, but it's the continual journey of improving the body and mind through a 360-degree approach to proper movement, broad skill acquisition, increased work capacity, all in order to live a better, longer, and more purposeful life. Mm -hmm. So I think some of the high points there is, you know, we reach back and we touch on some of the core concepts of, of what CrossFit really is. It is a 360-degree approach to, to uh, fitness. It's about broad skill acquisition. If you go back to any level one stuff, um, it's, you know, increased work capacity. That's how you tell that you're fitter. Uh, but also, too, like, we don't want it to be this thing that's just contained within itself. So we want there to be, you know, that, that end result. So beyond just being fitter, what does that do for us? Hopefully that helps us live a better, longer, and and more purposeful life. Now, is that that mission statement, that idea what fitness is, has that always been around for four barrel? Is that something that you had to develop over time? I mean, it's definitely developed and changed some over time, but this that definition has been pretty constant for the last three years. Okay. That's awesome that you've had it that constant. <laughs> some people have a mission statement, so well done. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's what you did. So, um, you know, after you opened your eyes, the four barrel, New Albany, and um, got up and running, I mean, how can you describe me, like, what has happened within the next three years? You know, how you guys have kind of grown, expanded, even opened up um, the second location over on Westport Road? Yeah, uh, the simple answer to that is, is one member at a time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and that's what I think some of the stuff I tried to get at in the questionnaire that you sent um, was, you know, we've never found that, that magic bullet and yeah. maybe some people have, like maybe they found this one thing that just works awesome for them and that's how they, they can contribute their growth totally to that. Um, but for us, it's just been a, uh, day in, day out hard work, uh, and, you know, adding a, a few members every month for the last five years, um, you know, it it hasn't been an, a, a straight linear growth. Like there's been some months and some times where, you know, we'll add more members than others. Um, but we've never, I, I, we've always made some sort of effort to have a controlled growth method. Uh, you know, we cap our on-ramp classes. Um, 
I don't think we would ever actually like turn people away, but you know, let's say that we're going to cap on ramp at, at 20 people. Um, if we, if, if, if we had more people want to join that month, then we would open up another session. We wouldn't just try to cram them all into yeah. that same session. Um, but you know, going back to just kind of how we've grown, um, we started the gym when we opened our doors. I think we had about 30 members. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of year one, we were right around a hundred. Um, by the end of year two, we were between that 150 to 200 or right, right around 150, I think for year two. Um, by year three, we were getting up around the 200. Um, by year four, that was essentially when um, our little facility opened as well. Um, and that was a, a whole crazy story in and of itself, just trying to get that place open. Um, so now in New Albany, we're around 320. Uh, and in Louisville, um, we're around 125 right now, which is it's, it's funny just to see the reflection in the growth rate. We thought that, like, okay, we'll open Louisville because we've got this big established name. Not big established name, but somewhat of a name in the area that, like... I mean, you, you know, have a name. That's pretty great. Yeah. So we, we thought that, like, oh, it's just going to, you know, it's just going to take off. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to start with 100 members and we're going to be at 200 members by the end of, of, of year one kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But looking back at it now, like, I'm actually kind of glad because I don't think the, the team that we had... we, we I don't think we were ready for that. Um, mm. So I think our, our growth rate in Louisville has been pretty reflective of what our growth rate uh, in New Albany is. Um, and it's allowed us to focus more on, on quality and, and a little bit less on quantity. Yeah. yeah no, that makes sense. Um, and I'm curious, I have to tell me the story about how the Louisville location opened and all everything that went into that. Yeah. So, um, you know, so, so to go back to just like where a little bit of a journey of where we've been as a business, um, you know, I think when, when I first got into it, the gym, um, was, was growing well and, and, you know, we, we quickly kind of outgrew our original space and moved into a bigger space in New Albany. Um, and my, you know, my degree being in business, they teach you like, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying kind of thing and you should mm-hmm. grow, grow, grow and build the biggest thing that you can. So I think we had this this big vision for a while of like, oh, we're going to be, uh, you know, a regional, maybe even like a national company, and mm-hmm. we're just going to have a bunch of locations, and we're going to come up with these great systems on how we bring in new people and we train new people, and then we'll put them in charge of these new satellite locations. Um, and then I think we ended up finding out that, like, the real reward to what we do is the community that we build and, and the bigger and more spread out that we get, like the less sense of community that, that we're going to be able to have. Um, so from there, I think we started to shift back to like, okay, well, like, let's just really focus on, on staying more local and like being 30 miles deep instead of 30 miles wide, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I know. I love that picture. Um, so anyway, so we, at the time, like when we first started looking at bringing a, a CrossFit gym um, to Louisville, you know, part of it was from the business background of like there were still only a handful of gyms in Louisville and there were definitely some pockets of town where there was nothing around. And I think a lot of that had to do with um, the real estate that was available. So, you know, you look yeah. at where CrossFit gyms tend to be centralized and it's like, oh, there's an industrial area here. So there's mm-hmm. four CrossFit gyms within a mile of each other. But oh, then yeah. <laughs> maybe you've got maybe you got this other end of town where there's no 
cheap industrial space. So there's like no CrossFit gyms there. So that was kind of what was going on um, in like the northeast side of town. And that's where we were looking and we were just trying to find something um, that would be suitable. We had some friends that lived out that way and, and they were into fitness and they were kind of pushing us at the same time to like bring CrossFit to uh, the area. So all said and done, um, we end up finding the space uh, and we sign a lease and we're hoping to be, you know, it's build out for most gyms. If you find a, uh, it was the back of, uh, it's where we're at now. It was the back of a car dealership, um, just a, a big open garage area. And we didn't really need a lot of build out. So, um, I think we signed that lease in July of 2014 and they were supposed to, del- they were supposed to deliver the space to us in uh, November of 2014 because our goal was to open up at the first of the year because that would be a great time of year for us to open. We didn't really want to open in the fall slash holiday season. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting closer to uh, both to um, being able to open and the uh, we're not really getting any updates from the mm-hmm. landlord. Uh, so after tons of repeated attempts of, of trying to contact the guy. Um, he lets us know that, oh, well, I've got this issue with a oil tank that is in the parking lot of the space that you're trying to lease, and we can't start construction until I get this issue taken care of. Won't be long. We'll get it taken care of. Oh, no. So at this point, we've already started to do some just basic, like, marketing to create buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started to get a little bit nervous. We're like, okay, we spent some marketing dollars. Not a big deal. So they push out the delivery date by like a month or two. And we're like, okay. So we get a little bit closer to delivery date. They, they're still promising us that, okay, we're going to have it to you on time. So we're, start, we're starting to think like, okay, well, we need to start drumming up membership. So we're going to start running some pre-sale specials and things like that. Oh, man. So we go ahead and we do that. And we get closer and closer to delivery date. And they haven't even started construction on the space. So all said and done, they delay construction by a little bit over a year. Uh, a year? A year. <laughs> so oh, man. after lots of, of sleepless nights and figuring out how we're going to contact all these people who we've promised that we're going to be open and mm-hmm. we've, you know, we've even pushed the date. We've sent out communications to these people on this pre-sell list. No one's actually spent any money with us yet but they've all like reserved these memberships so mm-hmm. we're still contacting these people trying not to like give them worst case scenario and be like oh we think it's going to be another year before we're open so every time we get an update you know they're telling us oh it's just going to be another month or two so then we're telling all of our pre-sale folks oh it's just going to be another month or two uh and then we had to keep doing this and keep doing this so it's uh-huh. like we keep putting our foot in our mouth and it was just like it's it's not who we want to be as a company. Yeah. Like we want to, yeah. we want to hold up to the promises that we give people. Um, so through this whole process, it was just a, a real big pain in the butt. Um, and at the same time, we'd already hired all this essential staff who are going, who is going to run this location. Uh, so we were like staff heavy for about a year because we had built, you know, management staff and everything to run this new location and we couldn't open it because of uh, construction delays. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> so anyway, we finally we finally get it all taken care of. We get open in uh in November of uh fifteen and uh we've been open for uh, a little over a year or actually I guess a year and a half now. Um, yeah. over there. Wow. Dang, that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it, but you know, it's one of those things where, like, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of those days, I, I felt sorry for myself and I felt sorry mm-hmm. for our team. But then I realized that, like, that's part of life and that's part of business. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of there's a lot worse things that could be happening. And yeah. it was definitely a financial burden on us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we had we were diligent about. You know, if we wouldn't have been smart about being very cash positive for the whole time that we've been in business, yeah. it could have sunk us as a business. But yeah. because we were frugal and because we were smart, we were able to kind of weather the storm, um, which I think was it was it was a big like learning point for us, and, and I think ultimately we're, we're better off because of it. Yeah, I know you understand you understand what what you need in order to survive then probably. So mm-hmm. yeah. Dang, man. And talk about being so prepared and that biting you in the butt almost. Like, because you're oh hiring the staff. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, and the marketing. Oh, man. Well, hey, it's open. That's what matters. That's great. Um, that's, that's, man, I just, just really sucks. But it's fine. But you're right. It's better now. So, um, yep. what is, what does the past year and a half look like then for the little location? And it's been like marketing and growing that and, um, uh, what does that kind of look like in terms of growth for that location? Yeah, so I think the the big thing there is we've we finally hit our stride with uh, Lowell. Mm-hmm. So um, we so we started off with Christy uh, Aramo mm-hmm. being um, kind of our go to um, head coach over there, and then oh, okay. you know once again just by turn of events happenstance, um, her family's from Columbus, Ohio. Her parents. Yeah purchase a gym in their hometown uh and you know she comes to us and says hey my family bought a gym that i'm gonna run so that i can move back home like you can't there you can't battle that like we're not even no (laughs) we're not gonna like try to beef up her salary or like convince her otherwise like you can go home and be with your family and run a gym Mm -hmm. so in that situation all you can really do is say like you know that's you know we're we're kind of we're definitely bummed that you're leaving but we're super happy for you um, so that's just kind of the, the roll of the dice and the play of the cards. Um, so really, I mean, since after she left last summer, um, we were kind of looking for who is that point person, um, to get back in place. And a guy that has been coaching, uh, over there for us since, um, since day one, uh, Zach Shell, um, he stepped, he, we, we just, we, let's see, two or three months ago now, um, hired him as our, as our full-time GM and head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then along with just, uh, a few other new hires and then some essential staff mm-hmm. we've had for a while, it's like the, the, the full structure of the team and the, and the glue of, of what makes a good box a good box has, mm-hmm. like, finally came together. Um, you know, I think for a long time, like, Myself and then Derek, who was kind of our um, head of operations, uh, you know, we did what we had to do to to keep things up and running there. But the whole time we knew that that wasn't the ideal setup um, for what we were looking for. We we feel like that, like, you've got to find that essential group of, you know, of your head coach, 
of your five to six really good coaches that you build that box around, that you build that community around. Um, and it, with all the transition that we were having, we had to kind of get through that transition. And, and now we're, we're into that space now where I feel like um, we've got that, that really good core group who can build that box for, you know, hopefully the next couple decades. Yeah, no, for sure. And I know you had said that several times in your questionnaire, just mentioning your, your team and, and how important that is. And I am kind of curious to know, how have you gone about finding the right people to be in the right positions, you know, hiring the, the coaches that you say are good coaches? What, what have you looked for? How have you gone about building that team that has helped you guys find success? Yeah, so, I mean, the first thing is, is you know, we look for people who that we enjoy being around. Um, that's the key one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's probably the starting point. Uh, and, you know, in that, it's, it's we're looking for people um, – we're looking for coaches who are who are good people who uh are in it for the right reasons they they're they're passionate about making others better and they're not concerned about themselves uh as much and then we've looked for people who are who are hard workers um so that's why you know most of our hires um have come from uh or not uh, yeah most of them have come from people within um and if they haven't come from people within they were someone who we've had a relationship with uh you know we don't really have hardly anyone who's just you know came from uh a complete like dry hiring process who you know we had never we had never met before yeah yeah that's what i hear from a lot of gyms it's all very hire within grow them in the membership and then they come to you and they're like hey and they're like sure so yeah hmm Okay, and then how have you gone about, um, I know you said, like, in, in Louisville, it was just kind of natural fit for, like, um, I think the Zach Shell just kind of come up and be in that position. Is that kind of the same thing with the New Albany location? You just had, like, a manager step up and um, that kind of happened? Like, it was typically you uh, promoted, like, a coach into that position? Yeah, so um, okay. Derek, who was our director of operations, and he actually just moved on to a – um, he had a, an accounting degree, uh, and his his long term goal has been to be a, a CPA. So he finally landed a job in a firm, and he's doing some work for us uh, on um, the weekends now. But um, all of our essential staff um, that we have in, in our New Albany location uh, are younger folks who started out as members and have you know, gone down that path of getting really into CrossFit. Most of them have degrees in exercise science. Um, some of them are, are still pursuing um, masters and things like that uh, in strength and conditioning or in exercise science. Um, so, you know, that's been uh, a big thing for us is, um, you know, we've, we, we definitely push our coaches down the path of like continual education through CrossFit, but then, you know, we also appreciate a more diverse background uh, when it comes to, okay, what is their skill set in fitness? Yeah, no, I know we talked about that before. That's cool. Um, and I'm also kind of curious, Case, just with, you know, being open these five years and hiring all these different staff and 
and working with different teams. What maybe are some top um, lessons you learned that you can impart to other affiliates when it comes to building a team uh, that will help you find success? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, first off, and, and I know that, like, it's, it seems, like, super obvious, but, um, <laughs> like, just, like, we, we really, really uh, drive the hammer into the nail of, of like hard work, hard work, hard work. Yeah. So, you know, put in the effort before class, um, being prepared for class, uh, you know, put in the effort of if you're going to work on our, our, our core staff that does programming and things like that. Like we expect a lot of, of time and, and effort to go into that because, you know, there's a ton of things that we could be doing, but you know, that's our, that's our core product. Um, on top of that, like we're constantly pushing uh, continued education. Uh, we'll pay for half of any um, we we say approved certifications that uh, or continuing education that that coaches want to pursue, um, which I think is like a, a a practice that you see more and more uh, in boxes now. Um, so you know that's a a big piece of it, and then the other big piece of it is um, you know so when if 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 we stay true to that model that we're talking about of like we look for good people who are hard workers like right from the get go they may not be the most knowledgeable in crossfit they may not be the most knowledgeable um in exercise science so we're constantly looking to you know develop their skills um when it comes to those things and that comes from we do daily stand up meetings which take about five minutes to do, but at least it gives us that touch point um, of talking about programming for the day, things that are going on. Uh, we do monthly coaches training that cover a ton of different um, uh, material. Uh, and then um, beyond that, just encouraging coaches to, uh, you know, do things like take part in our classes uh, you know, get out in front and lead, lead by example. Um, so I, I, I really feel that it's just the multitude of, of getting your coaches to be part of your community, getting your coaches to, you know, take part in your classes and programming, uh, getting your coaches to work with each other and, and share ideas. And then, you know, from a leadership standpoint, just uh, facilitating that stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. And I know you said it, it must be obvious in the hard work part, but unfortunately, I think it, it can get lost. <laughs> People always just kind of sit and get into a groove, and they forget that they actually need to work hard. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and and the thing is, like, is like we're not without fallacy there. Like we, yeah. I, I had a conversation with our local staff yesterday about mm. um, coaches who were just getting in. Uh, who were doing what you said. They were just getting in the groove. They were just coming in and, and checking the box yeah. uh, of going through the programming for the day. So, you know, that's just something that you have to be aware of and and approach tactfully and, and find a way to, you know, encourage those coaches to, um, you know, get back to putting a little bit more effort uh, into class, checking out the programming in advance, making sure they're prepared, uh, all those sort of things. Yeah, and just never maybe being content or satisfied with what's happening and always just being like, no, like, let's continue pushing ourselves to be better. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's a big point. I think, I think, you know, we, and I mean, there's like a million analogies out there about, <laughs> like, 
like don't be so fo- i mean obviously you want to be focused on the end point or focused on the goal but you have to uh, appreciate the the journey that's involved yeah. and i think for the longest time like we felt that this feeling of of not not dissatisfaction is kind of a bad way to say it but you know not being satisfied was a bad thing. Like, like we felt that like one day we would get into this groove where like, Oh, everything is just great. And we're satisfied with where we're at, but I don't think Mm -hmm. that we'll ever be there. I think that we'll always be looking to change things and hopefully improve things. And that it's not getting over that feeling of, I'm I'm still saying it wrong, but dissatisfaction It's Mm -hmm. it's coming to terms with it and understanding that that can be, part of your strength and that can be a positive thing and that can be the thing that that makes you better yeah i know you always want more you always want to you always want excellence i want to strive for that yeah i know that makes sense yeah um in case i'm just kind of curious where do you think uh the, the work hard mentality comes from um having a bunch of crappy jobs growing up <laughs> I actually heard, I think it was on like the Tim Ferriss podcast or something the other day and they were talking about how, uh, that's a, that's an interview question that everyone should ask, uh, applicants is, is, you know, what crappy jobs did you have growing up? Um, but, um, but yeah, and, and they were, and not to say that they were like awful jobs, but you know, from, from, from my dad having his own business, uh, and he had always worked hard in that business and, mm-hmm. um, you know, from, from them just giving us chores when we were younger to when we were in, you know, junior high and high school, if we weren't at school or at a sports practice, then, you know, we were expected to, uh, have a job. Uh, and, um, you know, so, so we worked all the way through school in addition to, you know, working hard in school and, and working hard at whatever sport, um, we were playing and, you know, it's one of those things of, of going back to, to retrospect, like at the time, like, you know, you'd get so angry that other kids were, um, just, just screwing around all summer mm-hmm. and, and you were working, but like now you look back on it and you're like, Oh, like that's, that's the work ethic that, mm-hmm. uh, they instilled in us. And, and that has, you know, paid off hugely, uh, now. And, and that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm thankful for that, you know, our parents did for my siblings and I. Yeah. No, it's it's funny how parents can have, you know, this wisdom that you don't see until 20 years later. <laughs> and you're like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm kind of curious, what was, what was the crappiest job you had growing up? Let's see. Um, the crappiest job... So there was like a bunch of like odd jobs. I used to work construction for um, my brother, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and it's just I, like I can remember specific instances. There was one instance where he had a house that um, you know like what like what a crawl space is in a house. Yeah, yeah. So the house they didn't the the excavating company didn't backfill around the house properly, so it was mm-hmm. getting water under it. So we had to get the water out. So in like October, November, we were being under this house. Like laying on my belly in water, digging oh. digging trenches so that all the water would flow into one spot, and then using like a submersible like pool pump to pump the water out from under the house, and all the while um, me just being dumb and and, and not safe, uh, 
there was an extension cord that kept falling in the water, and it was giving me little shocks uh, <laughs> while while it was going on. Wait, that's so, the best. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah. So I kept trying to like hang it on like the floor joists, but uh, it would fall, and like where it was connected to the pump, it would uh, it you'd get a little uh, electrocution every time. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, that sounds pretty horrible, (laughs) but that's probably, that's probably one of my favorite stories now. (laughs) And that's what led, and that's what led me to open a CrossFit gym. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, like going from being shocked in the water under a house to opening a business. Yep. What a story. People, I'm, that's how I'm going to lead it. And people are going to be like, oh, I really don't want to know how you got here. (laughs) No, for sure. No, that's interesting. So, and I, and I loved how you said in the question, questionnaire that, you know, we're not like the best in any area necessarily, but that you guys try in all areas. And I just, I love that mentality. So I had to ask where that work hard, um, came from. So interesting. Um, and then, two, I know you had mentioned that you're looking to build a gym that will be a staple of our community for a hundred years. I'm kind of curious if maybe um, you could just uh, mention maybe I don't know if there are any like systems or processes that you have in place that allows you to believe that you know your business can be sustainable and, and grow and and still be running you know in a hundred years even when you're gone. I don't know maybe you had any idea like specifically like how you came to that mentality yeah. or systems or processes? So, I mean, the first thing is, um, you know, we, we want to be um, going back to that 30 miles deep kind of thing. Like yeah. we want to be so ingrained in our community that no matter if it's CrossFit or whatever it might be called, you know, 10, 20 years from now, that we're still helping people in our community and we're still relevant uh, in our community. So, you know, we've made some effort to be diverse in our program offering. Um, we started our LeanX program uh, three years ago, and it's um, it's probably 20 to 30 percent of our business now. Wow! Um, as well as a um, a great addition, so it comes along with the unlimited membership. So you know, I'd say that 50 to 60 percent of our membership base um, at least take advantage of those classes in some way. Um, is that like boot camp style almost? Yeah, it's and, and, and yeah, we we pitch it as like CrossFit without barbells, or yeah, okay. it's a it's a high intensity and like a ton of gyms do it now. Yeah. Um, we've actually it's funny we've actually seen gyms in the area have leaner X programs. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's I mean same thing like we got we got the idea from a gym in California, so it's not yeah. like we created anything new. Um, but then, like, in addition, like, we've been diving into um, our KidFit program. We've been uh, looking at starting a longevity program. Um, so we want to be diverse. We want to be uh, constantly able and willing to um, adapt to change. So, you know, I think a big manifestation of that, you can, you can probably even see that within our programming. Um, you know, we do a lot of bread and butter CrossFit, but... I think our programming probably looks different than um, a lot of the other gyms uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, to get into that that mindset, um, I think that was departing from that old school like business philosophy of 
of like grow, grow, grow at all costs and, uh, you know, build a business and then package it up and and sell it and and profit and cash out to like the bigger reward for us after, you know, being involved with this community for the last five years has been the accomplishments that we've seen um, people or the transformations that we've seen people undergo and the lessons that, that, that we've learned from our team and, and, and from our community. Um, and, and those relationships now, I think, are, are more important to us than that, you know, constant business urge to just grow at all costs and, and, you know, build this big profitable thing and then, and then cash out. Um, so I think that's kind of the driver behind like why we started to develop that philosophy of like, we want to be around for a hundred years. Like we want to be, um, 30 miles deep and, and, and we want to be, um, as, as ingrained in our, in our community as possible. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think it's interesting too. Like a lot of times you can start out with a goal of, of success or, or growth or, or even money or something. And yet you can come back and realize the relationships are truly the parts that you love and that are life changing and that are truly rewarding. So I think that's yeah. cool. You guys have realized that. And, and I think awesome. you hit the nail on the head there. I think, I think that it's that like your definition of success shifts over time. And I think that's definitely what, what ours has done is like, you know, our definition of success used to be like money and numbers to where, you know, we understand that like we want to create careers for our coaches and like we want to make a living. But if we can, you know, influence lots of people in our community and, and have really great relationships with all these people, then like that's the important thing. Yeah. No, and it's cool to see how even success follows that because of the caring aspect. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and Case, probably one of my last questions for you, and I know we talked about it a little bit just with the different programs you guys are going to, but where do you, I mean, where do you hope to see Four Barrel in, you know, five to ten years? Is there anything on the horizon that you guys are looking into or planning for, you know, just continually building deeper into that community and grinding yourself there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it is just it's continually building deeper into that neighborhood uh, or into that uh, community. I think the other thing is um, – I mean, all right. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this, but it's not really uh, anything that's like super noteworthy. But you know, from a back end, from a back end business perspective, like we still lease um, our properties now, and like we want to get to where uh, you know we own our properties, mm-hmm. which is going to give us a little more ability to do some really cool stuff with our spaces um, and and run uh, what we feel would be a more effective and efficient business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's a big goal that we've got right now is, is we want to we want to bank enough cash that we can uh, build our own building and, and do a lot of cool stuff there. Um, and then we want to continually uh, build and evolve our programming to where we have, you know, the fastest path to um, results as possible. And we also have the absolutely lowest um, attrition rate as possible mm. um, in terms of, you know, everything from burnout to injury prevention and, and so on. So that's something that we're actively pushing towards right now. Yeah. No, I feel like those are all good sites to set your eyes on. So awesome. Sweet. All right. Um, just going 
interesting question. Well, Kate, I think I picked your brain <laughs> about a lot and probably all the questions I had. Anything else, though, that as we were talking, um, you know, it came to mind, anything else that you think would be really beneficial for other affiliates to know in terms of business floor barrel? Um, anything, anything, I guess, last words to say? Um, you know what? I, I made a few notes before uh, yeah. our conversation. Let me uh, scroll through my notes to see if we uh, if we didn't touch on some of this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I think the I think one of the big things is like we're going back to that like changing your your definition of success is like you know work hard in your business and let it change you and you know learn from your team and and learn from your members. Um, yeah. And, and I think that will, I think that will, it's going to, it's going to benefit people personally as, as owners and leaders, and it's going to also benefit their business in the long run. Um, something else too is, uh, you know, this is something that uh, going back to the, like the leadership summit that you guys held last year, one of the things that, that I always get, I don't know why it energizes me so much, but whenever I go to things like that, I get, I get energized from, seeing that other box owners go through the same shit that I go through. Like mm-hmm. even these guys, you know, the, the CJ Martins of the world, the Ben Bergeron's of the world, like they all struggle with the exact same stuff that I struggle with. And they all basically go through, it's funny to, you know, if they've had a box for 10 years and we've been open for five years, they'll tell stories about these like turning points that they were at five years ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whether you're a brand new box owner or whether you're somebody who's been in it for a few years, like I think it's just good to know that like everyone experiences like the same problems. You've mm-hmm. you've just got to like keep your head down and 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 keep uh, and keep plugging away. Um, so you know, a lot of times it's like I tell people sometimes like it's not the easiest way to make money, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's extremely rewarding. You know, so you really got to be in it for the right reasons. Um, and then, hold on, I'm just kind of scrolling down the list right now. fine. Oh, and then the other thing that I can't, I can't, I can't stress enough is the effectiveness of just smiling and saying hello to every single person <laughs> that comes through the door. Um, you know, even to the point of like, if there's a class going on that I was in my office, like right now we've got a Linux class going on. Um, so as soon as we wrap up this conversation. I need to make a point to go out there and mm-hmm. at least say hello to every one of those people who are here. Like mm-hmm. it's something that's going to take me three minutes to do, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that like let people know that like I'm here and I'm involved. So whether it's as a box owner or whether it's as a coach, like as leaders, like we're constantly preaching to our coaches, like you've been working in the office for a while, like go out and say hello to who's ever here. Like you don't even have to like coach them just go out and, and, and say hello and let people know you're here. And, and that's probably going to bring them back more than uh, whatever we did in class that day or however perfect our programming is or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. People just want to be known. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I think that's the big stuff. Awesome. No, those are great. I'm glad you made notes. Thank you. That's That's, Great. <laughs> hey, I wanted to be uh, I wanted to be prepared. <laughs> well, you did well, Case. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I heard uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talking one time, and uh, he was talking about you know everybody sees him as like the super smart um, scientist guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he said that before like any interview he does, he said he'll probably put in 
six to eight hours of work just trying to prepare for that interview. Wow. Um, which made me like realize that, you know, like no matter like how prestigious or how smart you are, like you should, you, you know, like that's why those people are where they're at. It's not because they're just so super talented that everything rolls off the cuff. It's because they did put in that extra work and they did put in that extra thought. Um, so that's something yeah. that they work with so, me. No, they work hard. Like you said, <laughs> they work hard and they try in all areas. I love it. It's, That's how you're going to find success. No, for sure. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in.